This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This is the American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Everton Therapy Corner, otherwise known as the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Alex, as always. What up? And our guest this evening to discuss what was a stunning, I think is maybe the most apt word. There's a lot of adjectives you could throw in, but a stunning draw at home against Newcastle 2-2. We have Jerry Gibson from the Toffee Blues. Jerry, thanks for joining us under these less than ideal circumstances. Hey guys. Yeah, stunning's a good word. I'm I'm with you there. <laughs> so we want to do something a little bit different with this show because of just the nature of the result today. We're going to start with stoppage time and then we're going to go back and talk about the performance at large because I don't think that I think first of all people are obviously going to have very strong opinions about the result. It's frustrating, it's appalling, it's embarrassing, it's all of those things and more. But I don't think talking about the last two minutes does justice for the the performance as a whole. So we'll throw it to you, Alex. You called me. So I was I watched this game in a match in, in a Starbucks. That's like two minutes from where I work. I uh, I got out of work a little early, went there. That's been my spot to watch uh, day, midweek Everton games for some time. And I was sitting in the Starbucks, really enjoying myself, quite frankly. And then out of the blue, of course, Lejeune comes on, scores two goals to equalize at the death. And we're left holding our head in our hand. So you, Alex, you called me right after the equalizer went in and you were very irate. You've now had a couple hours to reflect on it. So talk about sort of your, your feelings during that stoppage time. Well, it, it kind of ruined my day. Yep. I was hoping I wouldn't let it go. Like I, I was hoping it wouldn't let it, I wouldn't let it get to me this far on, but um, we're a couple hours on and I still feel terrible. So it did. I, you know, I, th- I think I was with a lot of people in which it was like the 90th minute and I was in the kitchen, like, you know, putting some dishes in the dishwasher, popping my head in. I had the volume up so I could hear anything crazy. And I see Lejeune's first goal and I even texted you and and I thought it was funny because I'm like, that's pretty sick. But like, you know, good thing it doesn't matter. And then next thing you know, I'm doing dishes again and it's 2-2 somehow. And everyone just kind of flapped about in the six yard box. And, and we thought maybe by the camera angle that Pickford had it, but in reality, he saved it um, behind the line. And I think it just kind of leaves me lost in distress, I suppose, knowing, you know, that we could have seventh place today, but instead we're wallowing in 12th. Um, and, and you know, so it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but I also do think that a lot of people are taking it way out of proportion, like, like the results itself, because as you said, you know, we'll dive into the positives from the performance, the first 90 minutes in a little bit. All right, Jerry, over to you. Give us your what's going through your mind during 93 minutes plus as we just capitulate yet again. I got to be honest, guys, I was watching watching the game and it sort of felt like we were just on cruise control Um, and it felt like the game was already over. It was it was a strange feeling. I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I'm watching, but I'm not thoroughly, you know, you mentioned, you know, kind of going to check the dishes, the idea of. You know, my, my wife is, is on the phone trying to get her cell phone. There's just so much life happening around me. And I'm just like, Everton's doing fine. Everything's okay. 
it doesn't feel like when that first goal goes in, I'm not really that bothered, but I'm agitated we lost the, the clean sheet. But I didn't think for a second we'd figure out a way to, to, to let them knot it up. Um, but I did feel like early on there, you know, we had some, not early on, but when we started making those subs, it just felt like no one was paying attention anymore. Uh, it just felt like it was, you know, let's just cruise through this and see it out. Um, and, uh, you know, when you've got a lead against a team like that and you want to see it out, you do have to be on your toes because they do, they are professionals. They do, they, they do want to win the game. So the idea of just cruising through and not being on your toes, uh, that's a, I, I don't, a lot of people, I see a lot of people blaming like one player and it's usually, it's different players. I see people talking about Pickford. I see people talking about Davies. I see people talking about Delph. Uh, I, and to be honest with you, I, I'm not blaming a player right now. I'm, I'm kind of, blaming a mentality and a lack of experience of being in those doggone positions. Um, yeah, man, uh, it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like it had actually happened. My wife walked out of the room on the phone, came back and literally mouthed, Oh my God, I'm so sorry to me. <laughs> so yeah, just a, yeah, just I a mean, bummer guys. It really was. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things, right? It's Everton to a T where for 90 plus minutes, we were comfortably far and away the better side. You could not have convinced me that us and Newcastle were even on points in the table. And we still, of course, are having each picked up a point. But the last two minutes were just something out of a movie. If you're a Newcastle fan, it was, and I think you hit, hit the nail on the head, Jerry, with the cruise control. It was like, we thought we had the game won. And Newcastle, to their credit, didn't give up, didn't quit, but we made it way, way too easy for them. Mm. Like you said, Jerry, it's easy. You have 20 plus 30, 40 years, you know, since the 1980s, pent up anger, frustration with Everton, especially for some of the local fans. And so I understand that there is a, a tendency to jump to the extreme in some, some cases. But I was watching that match thinking, I can't wait to record this post-match episode with Jerry and Alex later. We played unbelievably well. And then the subs come on and you can feel Newcastle start to take the game a little bit more to us. We backed off a little bit. I don't think, I think we took the game to them for 85, 90 minutes. And then the last five, for whatever reason, we took our foot off the gas and we're left again, dropping two points. It's a draw that feels like a loss. And there's so many positives that we're going to touch on shortly, but this just puts a sour taste in everyone's mouth. I think it's easy to, to point fingers and in, at individual players and performances but time and time again, we see that it is a collective failure of the team to see out results when they need to. And I don't know what you do to fix something like that, but it's going to take time. And fortunately, you know, I even saw some people blame Carlo Ancelotti. Look at the substitutions. Look at the substitute <laughs> options that Carlo Ancelotti has. He could have brought on Baines, Michael Keane, Anthony Gordon, which actually probably would have been a decent shout maybe on, on 60 Minutes. And then you've got Davies, Nias, and Coleman, who are the three that he brought on. We are so thin at the moment, and he needed to get fresh legs in there because the team ran their socks off for 90 minutes. You need to get fresh legs in there. Keane looked absolutely gassed, and he had an unbelievable game. Again, we'll touch on it. But <sighs> nothing changes the fact that this was two points that we should have picked up. Should have been three home wins for Carlo Ancelotti on the trot. And for, <clears throat> call it the Everton curse, call, call it whatever you want, but... It's one point and it's, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's one of those, you just, we threw it out the window and there's really no justification for it, but 
let's uh let's pivot now because I think we all kind of got our gripes off our chest. Let's pivot to <laughs> talking about the good because there are though people will maybe try to convince you otherwise there's so many positives to take from this game. And Alex, we'll start with you and let's start with Moiskeen's goal. So super exciting, right? I mean, he played well throughout. I really liked that he was he, he looked like he felt comfortable in the 4-4-2 formation to be honest. And you saw him showing for the ball. I mean, before we even jumped to the goal, which wasn't too far in, I think it was like the 28th, 29th minute, something like that. I mean, you saw immediately, essentially, the Everton players were were making it a point to push the ball forward much quicker, always looking forward for the most part. And if you were paying attention during the week, then Ancelotti kind of said that exact thing um, following the match over the weekend. He said that he wanted us to play quicker, move the ball forward, because that's when you maximize chances um, in attack and finding space. And I felt like we did that. We made a really nice conscious effort. There were some wayward passes, but I, I wasn't concerned by them just because of the fact that you could tell we were making a really good effort. Like we brought the tempo, which I think was super important. Uh, Moise Keen was no different, right? At, at some points very early on in his first couple of appearances, people were saying that it didn't seem like he was working very hard, running off the ball as much as he should be. But in this instance, he was working hard the entire time. He made the right run. Dom knocked the ball down from a goal kick right to Bernard, and with a lovely chip, uh, Moise Keane had the composure, which was the important piece. He had the composure to slot it home, and uh, he hit the woe, and it was a very angry woe at that to celebrate his first goal for Everton, finally. Yeah, it was a tremendous take. I thought that his work rate today was miles better than what I've seen from him so far this season, and I think probably a lot of that has to do with fitness, getting up to the speed of the league where he's having to make a lot more, do a lot more running than maybe he's accustomed to. But I think what sums up Keane's performance even more than the goal was the moment about midway through the first half, or maybe it was, I can't remember exactly when it was, but he made it a full field sprint, forcing Newcastle to pass back to the keeper. And he went full tilt at Dubrovka, who had a really good game, by the way, full tilt at Dubrovka. And I'm, he may have even got a deflection as Dubrovka tried to clear it. And that's something we have not seen from Moise Keane at all yet this year. Furthermore, I thought he looked extremely powerful on the ball. He was bullying the Newcastle midfield. He showed great ability to retain possession, something that we haven't seen from him again. Even in the later stages of the game, he showed a little bit um, of hold-up play, which again, something we, we associate more with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but he showed that I think after the West Ham game, people were maybe a little bit frustrated with the partnership of Calvert-Lewin and Keane compared to what we've seen with the relationship with Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. But today, I thought that Calvert-Lewin and Keane complemented each other extremely well, and they both deservedly got goals. Uh, Jerry, your thoughts on our two strikers on the day? Uh, I loved, I loved seeing uh, <laughs> seeing Keane actually get in there and, and perform well. And he's just so difficult to dispossess. He's just a strong guy. Uh, I didn't really know we were getting that <laughs> when he came in. Uh, but he, he's, he's so strong with the ball and, and it's funny, like what he lacks sometimes in first touch. Cause that's a lot of times where I, I kind of wince at times, but he works so hard to make sure that he does maintain possession after sometimes that kind of not the best first touch, uh, that it's, he kind of makes up for it. I thought he made, he actually passed a little better today than I had seen him in the past as well. Um, just a just an exciting day to to be an Everton supporter, seeing him kind of grow uh, mm. and grow into the role. And and I'm thinking, you know, that guy 
produces like that on a consistent basis, we've got a pretty solid core of strikers, um, which is pretty cool. I, I, I did get a little worried on his goal. Like when he received the ball, he collected that, that clever little chip from Bernard. And I was thinking, Oh God, he's waited too long. He's waited too long. He's sitting there. He's, he's, but, and, and, and I still thought he put it straight up the middle. I was like, Oh my God, it's right at the keeper. And <laughs> I was like, I didn't believe that it had actually gone in. It happened like several times. And I was so excited for him because he, because, because he is so young, because he's keeping a good attitude. And I, 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 I don't know. I'm just, I'm one of those, I don't know that everybody, I think, uh, it's easy to get jaded with with football it's easy to get jaded with soccer you know it's it's in but so with some people it's like they want to be right they want to so bad to be right about players that they write people off quickly because it seems because not everybody works usually players don't work out let's be honest um but with a with a guy like that uh just the fact that we're getting in minutes now it was great and and uh, dominic calvert lewin has just been an impressive player for me, he's been an impressive player for a while. He just hasn't paired goals with it. And, and since we've, we've brought in, we started going with more of a, a 4-4-2 formation. It has served him well. Um, and ever since we started attacking a little bit more, not always down the flanks, not always down the flanks. We're kind of coming down the center some. That has served him well as, as well. Uh, having other people to play against to kind of combine with. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about our strikers right now. I'm one of those people who doesn't feel like we need a striker in January. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, this is a different conversation, I'm sure, but I'm thinking like center mids and center, center backs. But, uh, but yeah, I, I'm excited about our strikers, to be honest with you. And they're, they're definitely not at fault for what happened today. They did their work, you know? Um, I loved watching them today, guys. Yeah. No, they, today was a great performance from the striking pair. I thought, even just one more thing on Calvert-Lewin before we move to other areas of the pitch, but I thought his first touch was like a revelation today. Unlike anything, <laughs> there was one moment when he received a, a bullet in from the flank and he touched it down and turned. And it was, I've never seen him have that clean of, or that much composure around the 18 yard box. And he really seems to be full brimming with confidence at the moment, which can only bode well for us moving forward. And I agree with you, Jerry. I don't think that we need to dip into the market for a striker with Calvert-Lewin, Keane, and Richarlison all playing with the ability to play up there. Um, I, I think we need to give them the rest of the season to continue to to gel together and develop. And as Keane continues to get acclimated, like you said, Jerry, it was like we watched him develop and, and acclimate to the league before our very eyes today. It was night and day from the rest of his performances this year. And some of that you could you could chalk up to perhaps Newcastle they did give us a lot of space even in their third of the pitch um, or their half. And so we did, we were able to find a lot of joy in that, those areas. Um, but let's move the conversation a little bit to the midfield because of course, with the lineup being released, the bizarre graphic, which was actually kind of cool with the drawings uh, of all the players <laughs> that, that sparked a lot of memes on Twitter, which were pretty hilarious, but the uh, Fabian Delphin, Morgan Schneiderlin come into the side. And again, at, an hour before kickoff, there's a bit of a fan meltdown online. Why are these two playing? Schneiderlin should, shouldn't should be on the pitch. He should never see uh, the light of day ever again. We should you know, lock him in a basement somewhere, I think, is where a lot of fans are at with him. But between him and Fabian Delph, I thought that they played, by and large, fairly well. Uh, I was surprised at how well they were able to work as a, as a pairing. I thought that Schneiderlin um, 
though he was conservative at times, which we know has been sort of people's main gripe with him is that he's too conservative. He passes back all the time. I thought he kind of grew into the game. And at times he was really clever with the way he would switch fields. Uh, Fabian Delft did a good job bringing the ball forward out from the back. And so I, I was very pleased with that. And furthermore, I thought that Bernard and Walcott were by and large, Bernard was excellent cutting in from the wing, receiving the ball and kind of in almost centrally um, slightly off of the wide position and bringing the ball forward really clever in possession and did some really nice things. Alex, uh, talk a little bit about what you made of our midfield performance today. I thought it was really good. As you said, I was kind of annoyed at the two central midfielders, Delph and Schneiderlin. But I mean, you look at you look at the the squad, the eighteen, and you only the only other person you had in there was Tom Davies, and he did not necessarily have a good performance over the weekend. So it made sense that uh, Schneiderlin came in. Now, here's what I'll say about Morgan Schneiderlin. He's one dimensional, but that that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's only a bad thing if you use him a way in which he's not best at playing. And what I mean by that is today, he was very much a, a drop back, kind of sit deep, sweep across the back line, defensive midfielder. And Delph was charged with moving Everton up the pitch. And obviously Bernard helped a lot with that. Well, Schneiderlin did a really great job. You know, he I, I thought he was tidy in possession, as you said. He distributed possession pretty well and, and again, like held on to it, which is important. He actually looked pretty confident to me. And so, you know, I think that that was a good role for him. I did, however, think that Delph kind of, um, he had an issue. He, he had a little bit of a problem trying to be the sole central midfielder pushing Everton up the pinch, uh, pitch. Excuse me, Mind you, Delph is more so of a defensive midfielder himself. And so he's not exactly the most creative, although he's, he's quite decent on the ball. Um, Bernard, as you said, I mean, he pretty much had a free roam role, which we saw, I think, a week and a half ago. It was like three matches ago now for for counting Newcastle. And he did pretty well at it. So we kind of saw that reintroduced. And I liked it a lot because he was showing the confidence and really, in my opinion, the leadership to say, hey, we're going to get the ball. We're going to move the ball quickly and we're going to push it up the pitch. He was taking charge. Um, I, I thought that he intelligently found a lot of space in the middle of the pitch. And that's why, it, you, know, you know, most of the time it took us literally a string of three passes from defense to one of our strikers or or one of our um, outside midfielders into a good position because, you know, they were finding a lot of good space on the inside. Walcott, same way, you, you would see him pinch in and that gave Sidibe some space to run into, but also um, kind of helped them, you know, hold position, possession quite a bit. And, and And Walcott, generally speaking, makes pretty good runs too. So Overall, a good midfield performance. Special shout out Schneiderlin. Um, otherwise, Bernard was definitely the best of the bunch in that group. Jerry, anything to add as far as the midfield's concerned? A lot of nodding. You can't hear it. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the wind created by no. my head nodding vigorously. Uh, <laughs> I, I just agree. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think about Delph. I'm, I think about uh, a number eight. You know what I mean? Somebody who, who does push forward, but definitely has a, I don't know. I feel like he and Davies kind of do the same role. So, and, and I totally agree with Schneiderlin, man. The fact is you give him very specific role and say, Hey, man, shield the D, you know, sweep in front. And because he, he, I remember we were shocked when he was, when, when he got the starting nod, when Duncan Ferguson was given the reins and everybody was kind of like, Oh, no. And then he came in and he was, it was, it was old school. He played it very simply. And I feel like I, I, I totally am with you. You know, you're very specific about what you tell him what to do and don't try to, don't, don't try to give him extra stuff. 
Don't give him extra responsibilities. Don't ask him, you know, if you say old school, stay in front of the four. Uh, I think he does a, he does a pretty good, pretty darn good job of that. We saw that today. Um, I, I'm fascinated with the way Ancelotti likes to use the, uh, the outside, the wings, uh, Bernard and Walcott, the way they, especially Bernard tucking in like that, almost serving a dual role, you know, a little part winger, part central. Uh, it's kind of, that's, that's how he got that assist. Um, and I saw Walcott almost slip another assist, uh, in there, uh, at one point. I'm trying to remember who he fed through. He fed somebody through and it was, it was a nice ball. Uh, it, it was nice to see Walcott have a good showing. Yeah, yeah. De- halfway decent, halfway decent little stretch from our midfield, you know? So yeah, I, it, it, basically I'm just nodding and agreeing and highlighting everything Alex says. I'm just with him on this. And just a couple of stats to kind of support. Our theories here, uh, Morgan Schneiderlin won five tackles, 87% pass percentage. Delph had an 88% pass percentage, but no tackles won. So a little frustrating from him, but I don't think you can, I mean, it's again, Schneiderlin becomes an easy scapegoat, but I don't think you can really fault too much of his performance today, except for maybe the last two minutes, of course, when we let the game slip. Um, let's move now to the defense. Um, of course, had Lucas, Luca Dean, Mason Holgate again, Gary Mina, and Jabril Sidibe. I'll throw it to you first, Jerry, this time. Who was your best performer in defense? And maybe just give us your thoughts on the on the defense overall. Wow, this is a tough one. Um, I'm trying. It's really hard to to not include the ending. Um, yeah. You know, because there's a at the very end, I, I thought there were some things that Holgate could have done differently. Um, he's just been such a strong performer lately. Um, and, and I continue to feel like Sidibe is, I mean, I feel like he's, he's ranked fairly high in tackles in the league, like successful tackles, which yeah. I did not realize. Uh, and, and, and something about Luca Dean that, that's, uh, I feel like he's less accurate on his crosses as he, as he has been. And I actually feel like he's kind of giving away possession a little cheaper this season than he did last season. Um, and I felt like, but, uh, Gosh, it's really hard to ever let go against Yerry Mina. Um, I just, I, I, I think it's his personality. But it, hmm. I, I, I thought the defense, for, for the most part, played really sound as a unit today. Um, and so if I've got to include the ending, you know, that maybe takes Holgate a little bit, you know, out of the situation. And the fact that I felt like Dean, Luca Dean could have done a little bit better in possession, uh, been, took, took care of the ball a little bit better. So that leaves me with, Sidibe and uh and Mina. I just love Yuri Mina. Mm. You know what I mean? I just yeah. I I I just really like him a lot. And I thought honestly, he was really close to banging in some of those corners. And yeah, I was. don't know why I don't know how we haven't gotten more off of off of set pieces with him so far. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Yuri Mina. That's what what I'll do. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's warranted. Uh, but yeah, I love him. All right. Hey, <laughs> It's a fair, it's a fair take. Alex, uh, do you disagree with Jerry? Do you have another, uh, top performer from our defense? Yeah, I think it's got to be Lucas Dean. I, I say that, uh, because he did get an assist. Also, um, I think it just maybe not even based on defensive action, which is kind of, um, kind of thought provoking, I guess, but he was more involved in the attack, I think, for sure. Um, obviously, and then he got himself an assist for his troubles. And, and that might be just part of the system, right? We like, we know how the quality he has on the left hand side. We know what a great partnership he has with 
um, Bernard. Now, it might be just because of the system, right? Bernard pinching in and help facilitating plays so much, especially centrally, that that kind of leaves the entire left-hand side of Luca Dean, um, as opposed to, let's say, Sidibe and Wakan on the other side. Otherwise, um, you know, I just... I like Luca Dean a lot. I like Yerry Mina too. I, I, he definitely should have scored from a corner today of all days. Really, if we should be talking about anyone that, that, that did the, the worst, I guess it would have to be probably Jordan Pickford. Um, <laughs> if you watch back the second goal, really, like legitimately, yeah. if you watch back the second goal, um, he's the one that positioned him, himself, you know, a step back inside the net. And so with the same trajectory of the ball, you know, if he liter- literally, if he did not step back, Inside the net, when he flinched earlier, then then he probably would have saved it outside of the line, and, and there would have been no goal. Um, now that's easy to say for just him, right? Because you have all the events leading up to that. But uh, when we needed him most today, unfortunately, he did not come through. Yeah, I think you hit on a really interesting point, Alex, um, when you said that most of what our what Luca Dean did specifically was offensive, and I think you could say the same in large part for the entire defense because Newcastle did not create anything for the entirety of the match until the two goals that they scored. They didn't really have any realistically good chances. I mean, they had eight total shots, two on target, of course, being the ones that they scored. So the defense didn't really have much to do. And it's that just makes it all the more frustrating that when they were finally called upon, they weren't there to, to stand up and be counted. But I think for me, my top performer in the defense was again, Mason Holgate. And like you said, Jerry, you can say a lot about the last two minutes, but I still think that he is developing extremely uh, quickly, extremely quickly this this season, maybe more so you know, providing that depth and centered central defense that we didn't really expect. We knew that that was a top priority signing in the summer. And Holgate stepped up and done a really good job. He looks composed in possession at times, and then he can be a little bit erratic. But it's interesting that we all picked different performers. Um, <laughs> Alex, you jumped the gun a little bit with Jordan Pickford because I was going to come to him last because he seems to be more than anyone else, the one who's come under the most scrutiny after this. I've seen tweets questioning, is he as good as we think he is? Which I think is a fair criticism at this point, given the number, the the errors that he makes that cost us points seem to keep adding up slowly but surely. And today, I think he was at fault for at least one of the goals, if not both. So that, and again, he had no saves today. So that just shows... uh the gravity of the situation where Newcastle were hopeless, hopeless, hopeless for 92 minutes, 93 minutes. And then at the death, when we needed him most, he wasn't there. And could we replace him with someone better? I don't know. Would we be able to move him on and recoup the cost that we paid for him, which was 30 million? I I still think that we probably could, maybe not in his current form, but I still believe that there's a good player in there. There's a good keeper in there. It's just been really tough going for him this season. He doesn't look confident when he comes for balls in the air. Obviously, the height probably plays a pretty big role in that, but but he's a good shot stopper. His distribution has been poor by and large, which, again, I don't want to rant too much, but Luka Dean's delivery on set pieces has been consistently really poor now for, for weeks, where he's mm. always, always hitting the first man at the near post. And maybe that's a tactical thing, but it seems like he's just trying to whip him in there and he can't get enough height on it. But for Jordan Pickford, he'll be, uh, I think, more frustrated with himself than any of us could possibly be frustrated with him. That said, I don't think it excuses the errors. And again, we're left with one point, 12th in the table. And this was a huge opportunity for us to jump some spots because everyone else in the table, 
uh, did us a huge favor by basically stagnating and, and doing poorly themselves. So this was a big opportunity that we let drop, but kind of wrapping things up here and I'll of course throw it to you guys after. I just think we can't get too hung up on any individual result because the overall trajectory under Carlo Ancelotti, especially since he's come in this season has been hugely positive. And I think the trajectory of the club as a whole, new stadium owner with a lot of money, very committed. Um, Marcel Brands, again, it's like we've got people criticizing Marcel Brands because of the last two minutes of a match against Newcastle. I think that's just frankly in completely unwarranted. And it just shows like how much passion people have for the club and how much they desperately want success. Uh, I'll throw it to Alex first for, I guess, closing remarks as we try to forget this one as soon as possible. Looking ahead for, I guess, now we have almost two weeks off. I mean, if I'm, if I'm just going to kind of cap it out with a, with a, overarching thought it would be the result is very annoying and very painful because we were sitting here thinking that we could go um into seventh place after a win and as you said everyone's stagnating however um as you as you've also previously mentioned that doesn't necessarily take away from the first 92 minutes i really loved the intensity the tempo um that the team was showing at home I really liked the fact that Moyes Keane had kind of like a breakout match for himself, um, officially who scored his man of the match and obviously got his first goal, especially at home was nice. So there are positives to take. I think you can kind of, you know, tell yourself that we are still somewhat uh, in form just based on the performance. But, you know, results aside, we keep it moving and, and we have a pretty lengthy break also to kind of get back some players from injury, some important players, and, and, and work them back into the squad. So that'll be exciting, too. All right, Jerry, you're up. I agree with Alex. I got to agree with James. I mean, uh, we we played a solid match. Um, there's improvement. Um, I, my, my buddies, my, my fellow my fellow Blues that are the most frustrated are, are the guys who have been supporting since they were very young. Uh, they're, they're in England. They feel, they feel cursed almost. They feel like this club is some form of experiment. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and they are, they're rightfully, uh, annoyed. I mean, I have teams in other sports that I've supported where I feel like that. I get it. Um, and so I, I, I never tell folks like that, Hey, you're wrong. They're right. They're right to be frustrated. They're right. If they feel like yeah. one player had a, had a bad game, cool. You know, they've been watching a lot of football. They know what they're doing. They know what they're talking about. Me personally, I am, I am trying to, I'm trying to be as objective as possible. And I look at that game and I say, you know what? We played 99% of a really good game. Um, we played solid and there was improvement. We saw some great work from, from our, our younger players. You're starting. It's not all together. It's a work in progress, but were we expecting it to be a finished product right now? We were not. So right now I'm thinking, let's get in winning positions again. Let's get in another winning position. Let's get more experience and learn how to close out a daggone game. We'll get there, you know, but we need that experience. And, and yeah, there's, there's some good stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to be keeping myself up, uh, tonight, you know, playing this over and over in my head. Um, it could have been, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, so I'm, it'll be okay. So yeah, positives to take from this. I'm going to focus on that because it's good for my brain. Agreed, Jerry. And just one last thing. I mean, I agree with you, all the people, all the scousers and, and fans who've followed the team, gone home and away as many games as they've gone to for their entire lives are completely warranted to feel frustrated, to feel fed up, to feel 
livid, angry, all of those emotions are valid. But I think as Americans who, again, we haven't been following the team since we were babies. I think we, we tend to not be quite as jaded as those fans. And I think that maybe I'm sure there's some people maybe in England listening right now that are thinking these stupid Americans need to F off (laughs) (laughs) with their positivity, but we're going to keep bringing it to you guys because I think it's really hard to be an Everton fan sometimes, but the, all you can really do is, is look at the positives and look at the big picture. And I think we're headed in the right direction. And I think that that's probably a good note to wrap things up on. So if you're still listening, thank you so much for tuning in. We've got the break up ahead. We'll be with you guys on a regular basis, bringing you guys content. As always, big thanks to Jerry for coming on yet again. One of our favorite recurring guests, Jerry. Thank you so much for coming on and tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, well, uh, I'm on the, uh, the Toffee Blues podcast, but also on the Toffee Blues YouTube channel. So, uh, yeah, if you checked out the YouTube channel, you can actually see that I need a haircut and a shave. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, but, uh, they, I work with a, a lot of really awesome, uh, Everton guys and I, almost all of them are, are from the, the Liverpool area. And yeah, I somehow caught on over there and they tolerate me. So you can check us out over there. Uh, it's, it's usually fun and, you know, as, as these things tend to be sometimes painful. So yeah, but that's, you know, you can check that out, uh, whenever you can. Thanks so much, guys. I really appreciate the invite. I love talking to you guys. Of course, Jerry, glad to have you on. And of course, guys, check out the Toffee Blues. If you're not already following them on Twitter and, f- and subscribe to them on YouTube, check them out. Uh, we'll be with you guys at the weekend for some more content, hopefully talking transfers and other Everton news. But until then, and until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.